Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 70 of Radio 815, the podcast where we explore the work of writer, director, producer J.J. Abrams and his extended Bad Robot universe. We are currently doing a Lost rewatch. We are in season six, the final season of Lost. I am your co-host, Matt Crandall, here as always with Marcelo Inostroza. Today we are talking about episodes 9, 10, and 11 of this final season. The first episode up is episode 6. 609 Abaterno, which means from eternity. Marcelo, did you spend a hundred years watching this episode, or did it just fly by for you as we found out the history of Ricardo? It kind of just flew by me because it was so fantastic that I didn't notice the time go by. You know how I said a couple weeks ago, guys, you know how I said I didn't give a shit about the overall mystery of the show and I didn't care about the journey that some of our characters or some of the cast that we've been dealing with for several years was going to unfold? That was a bunch of bullshit because this episode was captivating. It was emotional and it was just so, so great learning that Richard is from a 1867. I mean, oh my God. And one thing that I particularly loved about this episode, but I am not a person that likes to read subtitles. And I really appreciated that the language that Richard and his wife, Bella, were speaking in this episode was my second language. So I didn't have to read the subtitles. It was really, really heartbreaking seeing Richard have to go and beg a basically a nobleman for a cure to his wife's illness. I think she had like tuberculosis or whatever. And when Richard went to go beg this noble or this doctor for the cure, uh, this doctor asked Richard for some money. He didn't, he didn't have enough money. And they basically got into a fight and Richard killed him by accident. And because of that, Richard went to jail and he was going to be hanged. The scene that really resonated with me early on was that scene when Richard was visited by a priest because he he wanted to confess his sins before they killed him because the next day they were going to hang him. After Richard finished confessing what he had done, he asked the priest for forgiveness. And the priest didn't give him forgiveness. And I was like, you know what? I really like that scene. But that moment and that scene really reminded me why I don't like organized religion. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what to believe. If you believe there's a higher power, if you believe to make yourself better, you have to confess your sins and you have to believe that you have to act a certain way. That's fine. But I hate people who say things to believers and make believers feel like they're less just because they had the power to if that makes any sense. And I feel that this priest was just an asshole. Like, like he didn't have to do that. He knew that Richard was going to hang from the neck until dead if it wasn't for some English captain who bought him and then put him in a slave ship that happened to be the Black Rock, you know, and that ship crashes into some island somewhere. I love this episode, but that one little scene and that one little cork of this episode really annoyed the shit out of me. I totally understand why that is annoying. And I think the only reason that that scene exists is because... Because the priest tells Richard, you will go to hell. As we found out in other seasons when Sawyer had his big confrontation with Locke's father. And Locke says, we're, Locke's dad says, we're in hell. Think about it. Heaven isn't this hot. This island is some sort of supernatural thing. I was one place and now I'm here and you're going to kill me. Obviously, we're in hell. And then when the Black Rock crashes on the island, that is what Richard presumes. That maybe he died and that this island this situation is hell and it's all going back to that scene with that priest who was just an asshole 
But I did like that this episode finally gives us the history of Richard, who is a guy who has shown up and been very mysterious throughout the series, hasn't given us a lot other than the fact that we know he doesn't age. And in the last couple of episodes, we have seen his faith shaken because of Jacob's death and him thinking that his purpose, that Jacob promised him he had a purpose and that there was a plan, was all lies. And so I did love at the start of this, we see him with his confidence shaken. Then we get Richard's whole dire scenario with being arrested, being sold into slavery. Magnus Hanso is the captain of the ship. And when he's on the Black Rock and they crash, finding out exactly how Richard got to the island and then seeing how he's the only survivor of the Black Rock adds so much richness and texture to a lot of the scenes with Richard in this season where he has been doubting that I haven't cared that much about. But now seeing what he went through and knowing that this whole thing started because the love of his life was sick and she died anyway adds an extra layer of sadness and heartbreak especially knowing that Richard doesn't age and that he basically is as we know it right now immortal and unable to die and how painful that must be because the love of his life is dead but I did love his encounter with the black smoke him talking with man in black and finding out that this was an attempt earlier that man in black tried to get someone to kill jacob for him i love when he's up with jacob and he's like are you are you lucifer are you the devil because that is what man in black has told him and him realizing everything that's going on as far as he knows though a lot of it is subtitled and a lot of it is his confusion at these traumatic events and all this supernatural stuff happening but i did love that idea where he is thinking that this must be hell because that is a common theme that has come back time and time again on Lost. But I really did love ultimately the scene where Jacob grabs Richard, starts to drag him into the, the ocean, says like, do you think you're dead? Why should I, why should I stop? And he's just dunking him and dunking him. And that moment where Richard realizes he wants to live just adds a lot to this character that has been one of the cool, mysterious guys, but we didn't know anything about. What are you thinking, Marcelo? Now that we know more about Richards, does it make his character more interesting overall and more dynamic looking back? I think it does. Like I said a couple weeks ago, I was just really disappointed that a character like Richard was so low and I don't I couldn't understand why a person so dynamic and so mysterious met him could lose all his confidence and all his faith in one small swoop. But now that I see this, I I really understand who Richard is as a character now. The blank spaces that I needed filled in to actually care about him that much more. This episode really, really did that for me. But the one thing, this is not a negative. But I thought that this episode would have played so much better if it would have started with Richard in 1867 and not have that opening sequence with our losties on the island and where Richard goes, uh, guys, we're all dead. To me, that felt like the Lost writers playing into a fan theory a little bit. What do you think about that, Matt? Yeah, it definitely is addressing those concerns that people from day one have said that this is some sort of purgatory and that everyone died and that's what the island is. So I think you're right that that was them addressing that and I think 
tackling it head on they're kind of saying that's not exactly what's happening so nice try but no the other thing that really popped into my head while i was watching this episode is i began to wonder jacob says that if the man in black escapes the island he'll kill everything the world that we know will be upside down and and he'll just lay waste to everything but i'm like have we seen examples but has he killed anyone out of spite has he killed anyone that he hasn't absolutely needed to how bad do you think he really really is because that is a thing that is still up in the air i think yeah i know because like i said every action that we've seen him take is an action that he has had to take because of self-defense so in my mind he has done nothing out of malice yet well i stand corrected in the pilot he did kill greg rumber so like <laughs> like 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 greggy didn't need to die at all but the last thing that i found a little bit funny is that when richard is talking to hurley and hurley is saying that your wife is standing right next to you and hurley says to richard look i'll translate what she's saying to you so you can respond to her and he starts to translate but then he stops when she starts to get all romantic and i'm like how the hell does richard know what his wife is saying if her because her Hurley said that he was going to translate, but he only translated it up to a certain point. He stopped translating in the middle of what Richard's wife was saying. So I'm like, okay, Hurley, why'd you say you were going to do something if you didn't do it? You did it halfway, man. What the hell? I honestly think that was just for us. So I think that he was still translating, but it doesn't play if a guy is saying these lines. But if we see it as the woman saying these lines to Richard, then it's more romantic and plays better. So I think that that was actually just a TV trope and that Hurley was supposedly translating all these lines but they start it and then it's like it's like those movies where somebody is speaking a foreign language and then all of a sudden it turns into English and we're supposed to assume they're not speaking English but it's just for for the benefit of us watching as the audience so that's what I assumed was happening with yeah it's like that opening scene from the hunt from red October when John McTiernan pushes in on on that guy's lips and he's speaking Russian but then all of a sudden he starts speaking English other than that I thought this episode was fantastic I really really enjoyed it from start to finish it was great yeah yeah I loved it and the two key scenes you basically did touch on the one that finally tries to explain a lot of what's actually happening is Jacob and Richard have their sit down and Jacob says to Richard look this guy the man in black wants to get away and he believes everyone can be corrupted because human nature is that people are inherently bad and I don't think that that is so when people have come to the island whatever happens I sometimes can intervene but sometimes I can't so I need like a representative and I want you to be on my team be my consigliere basically when people come to the island can you do that and Jacob is like breaking it down for Richard and he says like if you do that for me I can do something for you and Richard says he wants his wife back Jacob says he can't do that Richard asks for forgiveness Jacob says he can't do that and then he says well I never want to die he says well that one that one I can do and he touches him but this whole breakdown is the whole wine bottle thing which Jacob explains that the wine in the bottle is evil the bottle is what contains evil and the thing that works in conjuncture with the bottle is the cork and if this cork were to fall out then all of the wine would spread and that is the man in black and evil and what he wants to do the cork is the island it is the thing that is stopping this malevolence from spreading everywhere it's tough to take all of this at face value because jacob has proven to be a bit of a dick and so has man in black but by the end of this episode where they have their their discussion man in black and jacob man in black is just like why won't you let 
me go. And he's like, I can't. Like, that's not how this works. Man in Black is bummed that Richard didn't succeed. And after their talk, Man in Black says, I'm going to try again. And that is, I think, them signaling to us that Man in Black is as bad as everything we've been told. And this is supposed to show us like, you know, the the malevolence is still trying to creep out. Whereas we've had these questions. Can Jacob be trusted? That scene was an absolute key to everything they have been laying down for us. And then just that wonderful Richard and Isabella where Richard is at the end of his rope and Hurley steps in. He has that visit with his ghost wife and it's, it's just moving and it's special and it puts Richard back on the path, makes everything seem clearer and mythology wise there's so much going on in this episode that to just have a nice emotional character driven moment was really special that moment when the men in black break the bottle that Jacob hands to him that's a nice moment and like you said Matt that was probably built to sit into the audience that the man in black is really evil one more note I, I didn't quite understand why Richard felt the need to bury his wife's cross in in the sand underneath the little bench I'm like if my my wife was so important to me i would have kept the cross or do you think that that cross signified a painful memory a painful memory for richard and that's the reason why he buried it yeah i think you're right about that i think it was something painful too painful to have close to his heart at all times but special enough that he wanted to know where it was so that is abiturno which is generally considered to be one of the all-timers and we move on they can't all be winners maybe i'm coloring the conversation already 610 is the package which focuses Focuses mostly in the flash sideways on Jin and Sun. Marcelo, what did you think of the package where in the flash sideways timeline, Jin and Sun are not married. They are sneaking around. I did not care. I did find it very interesting that in the flash sideways, Sun's father hired Mr. Kimi to basically find Jin and blow his brains out because he knew that Jin was having an affair with Sun. And that whole sequence, we found out how Jin ends up in the kitchen storage locker where where all the food is. But other than that, this episode, like whatever, some some interesting things happen, but nothing to make me go, oh my god this is the best episode ever. Yeah, and especially the last episode filled in so many gaps of lost mythology and then this one like I said, they can't all be winners felt like mostly a filler episode because it was interesting to see the Jin and Sun dynamic. Jin not speaking any English like we have known. Him and Sun still having this relationship and the whole thing with Kimi. It's not as compelling coming after that last episode that really felt like, okay, they are starting to play all of the cards that they have been holding and this was like they were just spinning wheels so there is a lot of men in black stuff going on with the widmore team but i don't care about it as much partly because i cannot stand charles widmore's team i hate zoe i hate goof doofus guy i think his name is seamus i generally actually just don't like those actors but they have stuff in here and they kidnap Jin. so we're delaying the Jin and sun reunion because our camps were about to come together and then Jin gets taken and that really bugged me because i'm excited for their reunion on the island in real time and we're just delaying it and pushing it and 
up until the scene where Widmore references something very important, the package and the reveal of the package were the only moments of this episode that I felt were necessary. And the rest is fine. Like it was entertaining, but not as captivating as everything else. And still this flash sideways stuff just feels like an exercise in the writers having fun. But now when we are in the back half of the final season, I don't just want to have a fun excursion. I want the meat. I want the protein. And the only stuff that this offered was the man in black dealing with the Widmore people who I hate. And then the reveal of the package, which was one of those awesome cut to lost moments. I am 100% in agreement with you, Matt. I hate all of Whitmore's people. That scientist guy with the stupid face and the dumb haircut. Every time I see that guy, yeah. I want to kill. I want to kill him. I'm like, why? Why are you here? Go away. Go away. We don't. We don't need you. Go away. But in reference to structure, I thought that the Richard episode would have been a great penultimate episode if you took the Richard episode and placed that episode right before the two-hour season finale of Lost. I think that would have been great. Yeah, and even even if you switched these episodes, it would have been better because after that Richard episode is so important, a lot of this just feels like like i said wheel spinning even they bring back mikhail and we see how he gets his eye shot out in the flash sideways and it's like yeah but you've told me so much last episode i just want to move forward which does bring us to another all-timer in my opinion episode 11 happily ever after written by damon and carlton that after revealing that Desmond Hume is the package. This episode finally starts to reveal more about what in the actual hell the Flash Sideways are because as this episode starts, Charles Widmore puts friggin' Desmond into this magnetic electronic box that looks like something you would keep a raptor in and they zap Desmond and he is waking up in the Flash Sideways timeline. Now we have seen Desmond consciously trip through time before This is the first time that he is actually visiting that alternate timeline as far as we know. And the majority of the episode then plays out in the flash sideways as Desmond encounters lots of people we have seen before. He has an extended run-in with Charlie. We do get Penny. We do get Eloise. We do get Daniels. And as Desmond is going through, we are trying to figure out what is happening, especially if Charles Widmore in our timeline on the island has been able to send Desmond's consciousness to Flash Sideways World. What in the hell is happening? How in the hell is it happening? And Charlie in the Flash Sideways has been convinced that there is something going on and that near-death experiences or it sounds like a suicide cult wrote part of this episode or dying is the only way to get this enlightenment and find this purpose. Marcella, what are you thinking as Happily Ever After is playing out and we're seeing they're starting to kind of explain a little bit of what this Flash Sideways might mean and letting us know that it is happening in some sort of concurrent space with our island time timeline because Desmond does travel from our timeline to flash sideways back to our timeline. I think the whole thing of the flash sideways is like the Kelvin timeline in Star Trek, right? So basically, imagine if I had a string, right? And I placed that string flat on a table, but I wanted to take another string and attach it to that same timeline. So I think that this episode confirms that there's the central timeline and the flash forward uh, uh, timeline is a different timeline, but it's attached to 
our original timeline, if that makes any sense. And I particularly like the fact that there are characters in this Flash Sideways story, in this Flash Sideways timeline, that are like Desmond, that know something is missing, right? Bring in Charlie. And the fact that Charlie, Charlie is a rock star, he's down on his luck, he just doesn't want to cooperate, he, he doesn't want to go to a gig, and he basically forces this version of Desmond to realize that something is missing. In this version, in this timeline, Desmond is very successful, he has the approval of Charles Whitmore, and he has all the money in the world. But there's still something that is missing, and when Charlie forces... Desmond's car off the road in that river and Desmond has the flashes of Penny I was like oh my god if I could stand up and shake Damon and Carlton's hand I would right now because this episode was so bleedingly wonderful I loved every single second of it so so much and furthermore I loved the part where Desmond actually went to go see uh, Eloise and Eloise was actually married to Charles Whitmore. Desmond actually runs into Daniel and Daniel basically sort of reiterates what Charlie said to Desmond and Daniel is the one that tells Desmond where Penny is and she happens to be running in the same stadium where Jack in our timeline met Desmond. So I was like this is bloody perfect. This episode deserves all the awards right now. I loved it from start to finish. It was just so, so great. Yeah, it's a terrific episode. And I did love that because it starts on island and then Desmond's consciousness goes to the Flash Sideways, it makes us care about the Flash Sideways right away rather than the Jin and Sun episode where I'm starting to get sick of Flash Sideways because I want more protein. I want more meat. This gives it to us because it is establishing Flash Sideways as being something legitimate. And as Desmond is going through, you know, he has a run-in with Hugo. He talks to Claire. He gets picked up by Minkowski, Fisher Stevens as his driver, who he's got the line on some prostitutes, if you're interested. I thought all this was really funny as we see this alternate Desmond and to see him and Widmore getting along was a lot of fun because we are wondering what is happening. And then as soon as him and Charlie have their big scene and Charlie tells him, look, when I die because I was choking on the heroin, I saw something. I saw this blonde woman... And he says it was something real and it was the truth. And I need to open everyone's eyes to this, which does sound like some QAnon bullshit now. But in the context of the episode, he then jerks the steering wheel. And as they are drowning, we start to see that Desmond is having flashes of Charlie's drowning in the prime timeline and the not Penny's boat. And I loved that where it is saying, yes, this Desmond can remember that history. This Charlie obviously remembers that. So everything that's happening in the Flash sideways counts, but so does everything else. And then as Desmond is inexplicably drawn to Penny, it's a name he's hearing, and he finds out that she is going to be at this party that Eloise Widmore is throwing. And finally, he has that sit down with Daniel. And Daniel says, look, I know that you're asking questions and I have questions, but something weird is going on because I'm just a musician and one day I wrote this quantum theory in my book and I'm having visions of this woman. Like, do you believe in love at first sight? And he explains all that. And as we realize that now we've got Charlie, Daniel, and Desmond in the flash sideways, all feeling like there is some destiny. It's really starting to pull everything into focus. And as you mentioned, such a wonderful scene that Desmond and Penny meet where she's running the steps, doing the tour de stade that 
Desmond and Jack have both done. That was great. And the moment when Desmond shakes Penny's hand and then is back waking up and it's only been 20 seconds. It is like, whoa, holy shit. What happened? And I love new Desmond awakened on the island. And he is saying, whatever Widmore wants to do, I will do it because now I have seen that there is something going on here. Then when Saeed saves him and says, we've got to do something, Desmond's like, whatever you want, man, I'll do it. And then we do cut back to the flash sideways. And that Desmond says, I need the manifest for 815 because I got to show them something. And that was an oh shit moment. What were you thinking, Marcelo, in the Desmond waking up on the island and now being all on board for whatever anyone wants and the ending okay well desmond's on the island i'll take that first i don't know exactly why he said i'm basically gonna go along with with anything anybody says like i don't know if he's saying that because he has a plan or he's gonna do something once whoever he is with wants him to do something i don't know if he feels that by me helping whoever I will basically stop bad things happening in the other timeline or I will basically save Penny and everyone from dying. I don't know if he believes that or if he's or if he's concocting another plan in his head. As far as alternate timeline Desmond goes and him saying to his limo driver, I need the manifest of flight 815. God damn it, if I would have forgotten that, that would have been incredible. It's the name of our podcast. Like, I don't know what he plans to achieve by getting everybody together in this alternate timeline and making them realize that something is different. I don't know if these people in the alternate timeline are going to break out and go somewhere. I have no idea. But it is endlessly fascinating and this episode was so, so good and I wouldn't be surprised if this episode won a WGA award or something because it was so expertly written. It was perfect. It was like chef's kiss. It was like, great. Oh, so, so good. Yeah, I think if you're making a list of all-time lost episodes, the amount of Desmond episodes that end up being on that list is ridiculous because most of the ones that focus on Desmond and his weird abilities in some way end up being all-timers. And it opens the door for these final few episodes to make us more invested in The Flash Sideways finally. We had to wait 11 episodes to kind of care, other than just having fun in those early episodes, to finally really get on board with like whatever's happening in the flash sideways is somehow important to what is happening on the island. So I'm glad that we are in the end game now. And if you guys are watching along with us next week, we will be talking about episodes 12, 13, and 14 of this final season of lost. As we continue, we want to thank any listeners for checking out the show rate review subscribe tell your friends tweet at us you can tweet at us using the hashtag radio 815 or our handle jj universe 815 if you guys have any crazy lost theories you want to let me know about i am on twitter at matt crandall marcello twitter's a good spot to reach you how can the folks do that if you guys want to talk to me on twitter i'm at creek fanatic 88 Thanks so much for listening. We are in the final stretch of Lost, guys. We are so glad that you have been on this journey with us. And in the next couple of weeks, we can't wait to tackle the end and everything it entails. But until then, Radio 815 over and out. Radio 815 is a Balloonhead Productions presentation in association with Killer Newt Productions.